Welcome to the Finding Your Shine podcast, hosted by best friends Nina Boyce and Liz Garster. Enjoy a dose of Monday motivation each week as we interview people lighting up the communities of health and wellness, spirituality, and personal growth. Wherever you are in your journey to health, happiness, and self-love, our real and authentic conversations with guests will keep you inspired and empowered. And keep you laughing too. Thanks for listening. We're honored to join you in finding your shine. Hey guys, welcome back to a new episode of Finding Your Shine. Finding Your Shine. Yeah. And we have a really awesome guest. She has like, as you can hear, she has a story about a health issue she had that we get like really invested in. Like, it's like a soap opera. We were the eating of the episode over here. Like we yeah. were freaking out because it's really upsetting to hear. I mean, you'll hear a lot. You can do a lot of research about how women's pain is not taken as seriously mm-hmm. in the medical industry as men's. Like people, you it's know, a problem. If, if a woman goes, it's like, oh, you know, you just have, uh, it's just, it's a just your hormones. Yeah, I mean, you're just menstrual. You right. don't have a headache. It's probably this. You're dehydrated. Yeah. Yeah. You're whining. A lot yeah. of times people equate women to whining mm-hmm. and bitching. And it's not that we, we know our bodies better than anybody else. And we deserve to be listened to. Bethany has that story and it's yes. incredible. Yeah. So she also, um, she's a health coach. So she does bring that perspective, but she also does travel. That's a big part of what she does too, is organizing travel retreats. Um, She does essential oils. Like she's a very well-rounded person in terms of her, like giving her attention and love to things that fill her up and kind of dividing that evenly among really different areas. Mm -hmm. And honoring her body throughout it all is, is the big takeaway. So yeah. Before we hop into this episode, make sure that you guys follow us over on Instagram. If you're not at Finding Your Shine Podcast, you can also follow me on Nursed with Nina or you can follow Liz at Liz Garster. We would love to be friends with you over on Instagram. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. So Bethany, I am sad that I'm not going to be able to see you next week when I'm coming to Michigan. I've been trying to get together with you and Sari for so long. I know. It's such a busy summer, but hopefully next time or I'll make my way down there. But um, we definitely have to meet up sometime in person. I know. So we're all Midwest gals here. You Are you from Michigan originally? Yeah, I was born um, in Livonia, which is like a suburb outside of Detroit. So I'm born and raised here and then moved to New York for a few years and came back. So pretty much my whole life here. Did you find when you moved to New York, like I've always wondered as a Midwestern girl, like what it would be like to move into the city, like quote unquote. Mm. Did you find like with your personality, did it kind of, was it kind of jarring at first to make that transition? Because it's so hustle and bustle. Wait, yeah. why did you move to New York? Because I, why did I not read this? Was this fashion. a huge part? That profession stuff. Was it, why did I miss this whole keep? portion of your story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's back so, up. Tell us all about this. I, I, as a child, like just always wanted to move to New York. 
And I don't know why. I was just like in me. I just mm-hmm. love that city feel. I wanted to experience it. Of course, it's completely different than what I grew up in. So maybe that's what drew me to it. Just like something different. But I'd always just wanted to live like that city lifestyle. Like I envisioned yeah. it as a child. Like, And so when I graduated, I went to Michigan State and I graduated with a communications degree. Literally had no clue what I wanted to do. Like I didn't really want to do anything except move to a city and just figure it out. But it's very expensive to move to New York city and I didn't have a job or money. So (laughs) I ended up getting a job here in Michigan to save up. And I saved for three years and finally made the move in 2013. That's so much dedication. Yeah. Because when you graduate from college, you're so young too. I mean, you're 21. Yeah. And I think... Saving up for three years. It was hard too, because a lot of my friends at the time were like moving to Chicago. Like everyone... Chicago. And it didn't really appeal to me as much as New York did. And so I really just like felt like everyone was moving away and doing stuff. And I'm just like working this boring job just to save money to move. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it all worked out and I ended up moving there. And I, my really good friend at the time, she lived there. So we ended up getting an apartment together. I actually moved there for a job that didn't work out. I was there for like a week and a half and it ended poorly. So man, it was jobless for like the first month of moving there. How stressful was that situation? Like moving to the most expensive city, thinking you have a job and then having already moved and then like not having that job. Yeah. It was, it was like a crazy, crazy time in my life. Like when I had moved there, I was having all these issues with like eating and body image and just all that stuff. And then when I moved to the city, I felt this like relief of like, okay, I can live my life. I'm here doing what I want to do. And then I like get fired from my job after a week. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? But that was also a relief because I felt walking in that job that like, it wasn't for me. And that's not why I moved there, you know? So yeah. it was kind of like the ticket to get me to the city. And then I worked a temporary position for about four months um, at Bumble and Bumble in their corporate office, which was really fun. And then I got the full-time job at Barney's working in HR um, for their corporate office there. It was a journey to finding employment (laughs) once I got there, but it was good. How was the full-time job once you got it? Did you enjoy it? Or were you like, this is not what I expected? Yeah, I think it was such a hustle. You know, the city's a hustle. Like it was like... And, you know, I, I knew that, but I didn't. So it was stressful. And I don't think I realized the amount of stress I had in my body, but that's Mm -hmm. kind of what I started that job at Barney's is when my health started to decline. And at the time I didn't know why. So it was kind of like living this dream. I'm so happy. This is so great. Everything's coming together. But then like my health was declining and like, wait, what's going on? So it was like a lot of mixed feelings, but I still would never like take it back. It was a mm-hmm. huge learning experience. Did you find, like you mentioned having kind of like body image issues and I would think working in the, I don't know how much working in like HR at Barney's, you were like mm-hmm. in the fashion industry, but I feel like that could really be like that kind of pull out some of those, at least it would for me. I don't know if you experienced yeah. that or not, but some of those worst issues. Yeah. I think just moving to New York in general can bring that, you know, there's, a lot of, you know, fashion forward, a lot of models, a lot of just everything going on in the city in your face, a lot of money, a lot of stuff, you know, that's really attractive and can somewhat be unattainable at times. So I think just moving there and being around all that kind of gave me some angst to begin with. But also when I had moved there, I finally was able to 
kind of deal with what I was going through. And I started therapy and I started really working through everything. So it kind of all happened at a time which I was kind of like healing that part. So it didn't affect me as much. Um, Like were there triggers and stuff? Of course, you know, I definitely had like thoughts and feelings about stuff at times, but it was seriously a time when I was finally like healing with that and feeling better about everything. I was going to say that I feel like the theme for me in this past week has been stress. Like everybody I've talked to recently, it's all about how they had so much stress in their body or that they do, they just have become aware of the stress that's in their body. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because, like you said, you think, you know, we all know that New York's a huge city. We know that there's a lot of hustle and bustle, like you were in the fashion industry and all of that. But you don't realize how much your body takes on that energy until you it starts to give you those signs. Yeah, of course. And I think for a long time, I was ignoring it. Oh, I, yeah. This was my dream. I'm here. Nothing's going to break me down. Nothing's gonna, I'm not going to tell anyone that I failed at this. Like I am here and I'm going to do it. And so for a long time, I was just pushing so much aside and just not dealing with it because I didn't want to believe it was true, basically. How many of us do you think do that in all respects? I think... a the majority of us don't want to fail or look like we failed to other people. So we find, we think it's like we've, we're, we've been defeated, I guess, if we're not pushing through or if we decide not to go through with something because of our health. Like I know for me, for example, I'll be like, oh, well, that person can do it. So can I? Or how come that person can push through? Why can't I? And yeah, then different. I, I know. But then sometimes I wonder if they're really pushing through too and how they're feeling or if we're all just walking around, like our whole society is walking around trying to impress everybody else and each other and we're all working ourselves to the brink. Yeah, no, I, I still struggle with that. You know, prior to having brain surgery, I was like an animal. I ran a half marathon. I ran six miles before work in the morning, would be at my desk at 7am. I would go to yoga after work. I would go out all night. Like it was nonstop. And I just was like in this realm of doing it all and feeling good, but I really wasn't. I wasn't. Mm -hmm. But I think there are a lot of people that are doing the same thing. They're going through the motions, they're doing, they're doing, they're doing, and they're not taking the time to stop and really see how they're feeling. Well, on the outside, I'm sure you looked all put together too. Because again, you're running a marathon, you're going to yoga, you have a wonderful corporate job, you're in New York City. And so on the outside, it looks perfect. But like you said, when did the signs start to become more noticeable to you? When were you like, I have to look into this, I need to slow down? Yeah. So I'm trying to think, there was, I was sitting at my desk one day and I got this like piercing headache. And I remember my arms like kind of felt like a little numb. And I was just like, what is happening? And I, I remember I was talking on Gchat with my cousin. And I was like, I can't move my fingers. My head is killing me. Like, mm-hmm. there's very wrong with me. Wow. And I think that was like the moment where I was like, I need to look into this further. Um, so that's kind of like the initial like doctor's appointment. And then after that, there were several like health situations that happened where I was like sick, but no one could tell me what was wrong. I just didn't mm-hmm. feel good. And there was issues. And, um, I just knew like there's something way deeper going on. So how do you like, so what was it that you actually had the brain surgery for? Like what did they find? Yeah. So after literally nine months of going to doctors and doing tests, Mm. blood work and spinal tap and scans and everything, I had an MRI like nine months prior and they said everything was fine. 
I had another MRI, but with contrast, which at the time I didn't know there was a difference, Mm -hmm. but there is a difference and they can show different things. Um, So the second one was with contrast and that one showed that I had a cavernoma malformation in my brain. What is that? Yeah. So it's, I had never heard of it either. (laughs) It's a malformation of blood vessels. So typically people are born with them and they thought that I was because I only had one. It's very rare. And then there's people that have it and they never have an issue. But when they had done the scan, they saw that mine had slowly been bleeding. So it probably was causing all these physical, you know, feelings and issues. And then my anxiety and stress of it all was making, you know, everything way worse. Mm -hmm. So they saw I was slowly bleeding. My surgeon's like, you know, we're not going to do surgery unless we have to. It's a major surgery. If somebody told me that something in my brain was bleeding and they weren't going to do surgery. As if you're not anxious enough. Like as if you don't have anxiety, like just from like life. It's like, oh, also you're brain is bleeding. Yeah. But it's fine. We're Just not going to do surgery. It. It's great. Keep going. Keep on with your stressful life. It'll be fine. Exactly. So he's like telling me this and he's like a really well-known surgeon in New York. So I'm like trusting in him. Of course. And I, I'm like very fortunate that I had him as my doctor, but he's telling me this and I'm just like, you're crazy. Like, what do you mean? I have like something bleeding in my head. And he's just like, go on with your life. Like it should clot up and you know, the blood will redistribute through your body and you'll be fine. And so I'm like, oh my God. He's like, but you know, if you have any like serious, like, you know, headaches or, you know, numbness or this or that, I'm thinking I've had numbness for nine months. Mm, like, yeah. It was just all like so overwhelming. And meanwhile, you know, I'm in New York. I don't have my family. And I had been dating Clark, who's my husband now. But at the time, we had only been dating for like eight or nine months. So like we were super close and we had this really close relationship. But he was like the only person I really had to like lean on. Uh Did you guys meet in New York? We did. And then move back to Michigan? Yes. What an adorable love story. No. And Side note to the brain surgery story. <laughs> we wanted to bring some light in as we yeah. talk about brain we, surgery. Let's talk about relationships after this story's done because I'm like really invested. I feel like this is a dramatic show and I just need to know how it ends. Yeah, it's very dramatic. So I leave a doctor's appointment like, okay, life is good. I need to stop stressing. He said I'm going to be fine. Like I was having confidence in this doctor and what he's telling me. And I was like, stress is going to do me no good. Like we're done. So... I had just like kind of forgot about it all. I, at the time I was off work, I had to take leave because I was just so ill. I couldn't even function. So um, my leave was up in three weeks. So I was like, okay, I'm going back to work. I'm going to have a positive attitude. Like all this self-talk was happening. And so the weekend before I was going back to work, Clark and I went out to the Hamptons and we're like having a fun weekend away from the city. We go to a soul cycle class. We go to the beach. It's like got us bowls. It's like perfect Sunday. I'm like, okay, going with positive attitude. So I get into work on Monday. Everyone's like, oh, you're back. They're probably like rolling their eyes. Like what the heck was wrong with her? Mm-hmm. And um, I sit at my desk and I literally get this massive, massive headache. And I'm like, okay, I'm just stressed. I'm back at work. Yeah. Right. myself out you know, whatever. I'm staring at a screen. I haven't been looking at a screen for months. So, so you're there trying to like check your boxes. This is all fine. This is right. what's happening. Just again, like telling myself like I'm fine. Everything's fine, but really not paying and like tuning into myself. So after like a few days, I go to the doctor. I'm like, hey, I've had this headache. Well, mind you, it's August in New York City. So it's hot. It's sweaty. It's humid. 
the doctors are like, oh, you're dehydrated. You're this, you're that. You have a migraine. Gave you migraine medication. I'm like, wait, but I have like a slow bleed. Like, is it bleeding more? They're like, no. Yeah. It just, it wouldn't happen that <sighs> fast. I'm like, okay. So I just have to pause for a second because this stirs up so much anger in me because I'm such an advocate of like, you know your body best. Mm-hmm. And I feel like our intuition outweighs medical advice sometimes because you are the expert on you and you know if you don't feel right. And I think a lot of times when we go to our doctors and they're wonderful people, they do great jobs. I mean, obviously we love Sari. Her husband is going to be a doctor. He's freaking amazing. But it's, it's like they give you words of advice and we take them to heart. But if you feel like something's wrong, something probably is wrong and it doesn't need to be brushed and off. You got to fight for it too. You got, you ha- everybody has to fight for it. Yeah. Is that, totally. And I think for like nine months, I was just fighting. They're like, oh, you probably have something autoimmune. We don't know. You have fibromyalgia. We don't know. It was all these like, we don't know. So we're going to tell you it's this. And then here's the medication for your symptoms. Mm, like always. And I was like, no, <laughs> there is something wrong. So it was really me like going and seeking out all these specialists and all these Good for you for doing that or having that awareness at the time. Yeah. And a side note, I felt like too, it was very frustrating because I was living in New York City with a lot of high profile people and a lot of money. And I was like mm-hmm. this peasant. So all the great doctors I could, I couldn't touch, you know, it was like, Gosh. I'd heard about all these doctors and, and they could do really great things, but like you could never afford it. Them. Yeah. It was just like, okay. So that was, you know, frustrating too. So mm-hmm. anyways, I'm back at work. The headache happens. The doctor tells me I'm fine. All this stuff. So Clark goes away for the weekend. And I remember I went to Central Park to meet a friend for like, you know, we're just having a picnic, whatever. And I could barely like walk to the park. And so I was like, there's something so wrong. Like what's going on? So I ended up like getting really like upset and frustrated. Yeah. So I'm just going to go to the ER. Like I just need to figure this out. So I go to the ER at NYU and it's for lack of better terms, a shit show. It was just mm. so busy. Like, you know how an ER can be. And I had a and headache. So they're like, okay, you're stage four. Like you're not a big deal. Like yeah. we're bringing the headache department of people. So they give me an IV, tell me I'm dehydrated. I tell them about the whole thing. You know, they're just not that interested. I end up passing out. And I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, what happened? And I don't know if I passed out or had a seizure. They don't know. No one was watching me. I was like in this corner bed in the corner of the hospital. I wake up and I'm like, oh my God. They're like, oh, you're really dehydrated. Like you just passed out. Stop with the dehydration. Oh my gosh. I'm mad because like, I feel like if someone says, hey, like I have bleeding in my brain. It's not like me being like, hey, sometimes I get pimples on my face. Like (laughs) it's a big deal. Yeah. And the the doctor came over and he's like, no, there wouldn't be and he said it changes as fast. I'm just like, what the heck? But they like, I can't walk right now. Yeah. I cannot walk. I just passed out. Can you check my brain? Can you check my brain again? Yeah. Yeah. So like, this is now going on a week of this headache and Mm. no one will listen to me. And I'm just like... And I bet the stress of that is just exasperating everything. Yeah. So it was just, it was exhausting. So Clark came to pick me up from the ER. I call my parents. I'm so upset. They're like, call your doctor. You just get like a script or something you need to scan. So I was like, okay. So I call my doctor. I tell her what happened, like my main primary. Uh She's like, okay, I'll send you this like script. Like you can go on Monday to this imaging center and get a CT scan. I'm like, all right. 
So Monday comes, I go into work. I'm like, Hey, I know I've only been back for a week, but like, I gotta go. I I'm not well. I'm I quit. I just quit on the spot. Mm. Wow. Intuition coming through. Yeah. I was like, I can't deal with this. Like they were stressing me out because they didn't, they didn't think there was anything wrong with me. And they're just like, what is she doing? She's weird. So I quit. Did you tell them, were you like, Hey, I have brain bleeding. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think that they're that interested (laughs) down on them, but I just think they were just like, you know, she's been off work for three months and she still doesn't know what's wrong with her. So long story short, I go get the scan. Well, this is actually comical. So I woke up Tuesday morning and I had the scan at like one 30 in Tuesday afternoon. And I was like, you know what? I'm feeling okay. I'm going to go to soul cycle. Mm. Oh. I'm going to stress my body out physically. Right? Because I'm feeling it. great. Right? I'm so stressed out. I'm just going to get a good sweat in. I'm yeah. just, every doctor is telling me I'm fine. So clearly I'm just nuts. And I'm just being crazy. Like they've been telling me that I'm crazy. So I go down the hot subway all the way from Upper West Side to Dreibaka, which if you're a New Yorker, it's like a half hour subway ride. Get out there. I go to my favorite soul instructor. I go in the class and I'm just like barely moving. Mm-hmm. But I can tell. I'm like, all right. So like halfway through the class, I just stopped trying. I was just like riding the bike with no resistance. <laughs> just like sitting yeah. like the class was over. And I get in a cab and I fell asleep on the cab ride home. And so that was like another sign. I was like, that's weird. I never fall asleep in the cab. So I go to the scan. They do the scan and they're like, just sit here for a moment. And I was like, okay. And then my doctor call, or was on the phone. She's like, hey, you have a huge brain hemorrhage. Like you need brain surgery. She's like, oh, we're going to call. I just got goosebumps. I'm not even joking. Like, yeah. because if that wouldn't have been you pushing and pushing and pushing. Yeah, like what would have happened? Advocating for yourself. What would have happened? I probably would not be here. We probably would have gotten way worse and I would not be here. I'm getting... I'm a little bit too overworked by this because <laughs> this is also my passion and my work of holistic health and just going for going and being your own self-advocate. And I can't handle this. Please keep going. Okay. Yeah. No, it, it's it's crazy. It's like everyone can learn from the story about themselves. So, so they're like, we're going to call you an ambulance. I was like, no, that's so dramatic. Like I was weirdly calm because it's like, <laughs> I knew this all along and no one was listening. So like, Thank you. I know. I can You're really surgery now. Who's relieved? <laughs> I was like, okay, I hope that they can do surgery. I hope like I'm going to live. I'm going to see another day. Like I hope all this stuff. So all the I anxiety of you feeling crazy was gone. You're like, okay, <laughs> I'm better. Yeah, I felt like so validated. I was like, yeah. I'm not crazy. I knew there was something wrong. You guys are crazy. So I get in a cab and I like call Clark and I call my mom. And I tell him what's going on. Of course, they're just like, what the heck? Like, you know, everyone's just like stunned. And I'm like, yeah. I told you, I told you. <laughs> so I get to the hospital and, you know, they checked me in and I had surgery the next morning. Um, it was like a five hour brain surgery. My parents drove like through the night to get there. Um, my brother flew in and wow. like, everyone was there. it was really sweet. And the surgery was completely successful. They were able to operate, which I mean, I'm forever grateful for because some people can have these in like places in their brain that's not operable. Oh my gosh! So, so what does re- what did recovery look like then? Like I obvious, mean, I'm ass- I'm assuming less like still no stress. Like try not to be stressed out. Yeah, yeah. Recovery was tough because it's like what I was used to in my life was like no more. Like I had to move back to Michigan because I could barely walk down the street. You know, like the biggest task for my everyday was like doing a 10 minute walk for like a month of my life. Like my mm. mom had to me for a while. Like it was like 
I was down and out, you know? Was this because of exhaustion or just because your brain needed to relearn things? Like, It was basically just like, once your brain kind of touches air, it's kind of like a major thing. So I was just exhausted. I was exhausted from the surgery and just, I needed to heal. And I'm sure there was some relearning of stuff that I was not aware of. I didn't have like a loss of my speech or a loss of function where I had to do any kind of therapy like that, which I was really fortunate for. Mm -hmm. But I was, I was sleeping like 16, 18 hours a day. Wow. And I would, I had really bad headaches. I mean, just like the normal stuff you would think from getting your brain. Oh, you know. Well, like you said, like when your brain sees air, things happen. Like it needs to recover from them. Never supposed to touch air, you know. Yeah. It's like crazy, and and there's so much like undiscovered. I think about how our brains like react to kind of stuff. So there's not much research like for people to tell me like, oh yeah, this is what's happening because they don't really know. You know, people have brain surgeries, but there's a lot of like unknown with the actual Mm -hmm. brain. So. It was just, it was a very long recovery. I couldn't work out for months. I couldn't drive for nine months. I was oh. on medication. It has a protocol just because of the location. It could be like a possibility. So that made me extremely tired too. So it was just, I mean, it was a long road. And what I was used to, which was like being social, having drinks, working out, I couldn't do any of that. Mm. Like noises and music and people talking was so overwhelming and overstimulating for my brain. I had to be like in a quiet room. How did you handle the psychological effects of that? Yeah. Because as a go, go, go person myself, I have to force myself to be calm. And I feel like I would get, I would get a lot of anxiety from that. Yeah, it was hard. I think part of it was like, I was just focusing on all the gratitude I have for being alive. Mm -hmm. That it was like so such a small thing. Of course, I'm yeah. by it, but at the same time, I was like, I could not even be here. So I'm yeah. just oh. so grateful. What but a way I- to look for it, look at it. And I just keep thinking too, like you, you were so prepped after. Like I feel like you got lucky in that initial. Like I feel like something's wrong. You found out there was the bleeding, but then in that time where you that you were kind of waiting it out to get worse, obviously, is what happened. Yeah. You were so in tune with your body because you had to be. Like, you had to take that time to heal and become really in tune with your body. And all I can think about is, like, if someone just didn't take that to heart and was like, I can do it. Like, I'll be fine. And Mm -hmm. had that mentality, like, would they have gotten to the point where they would have advocated for themselves like you did? You know, listening. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's like the biggest thing. Like I try not to be angry after and just, you know, grateful, but I did carry so much anger for so long for just like how long it took me to get answers and how much like pain and suffering I was in. And then during the whole process up until surgery, like no one was listening to me. And it was so frustrating beyond frustrating. Is this what led you to to do IIN? Yeah. So then obviously in my recovery, I was just looking at like, how do you heal the brain? Like, how do you wow. make yourself like all this stuff? And I was kind of lost. So I was like, who could help me? And I ended up meeting this woman who was at the time, my sister-in-law's neighbor, my brother and sister-in-law's neighbor, her name's Nadia. And she's a health coach and she did IIN. Mm. And I was talking to her and I'm like, oh my God, like I need you. I need you to tell me how I could, like what I could be doing and how to recover. So we became really close and um, she really helped me through like my recovery and just learning so much about what's out there and just different resources to tap into and how to take care of myself. And 
That's seriously why I I think coaches are so incredibly important because I hear people ask like, well, what does a coach do? Like, why would I get a health coach? And it's like, that person's your partner in crime. Like they're by your side. They're doing research for you. They're listening. They're listening to you in a way that a doctor can't listen to you and doesn't have time to get these answers for you. And like... I'm sure. Like, was she just helping you build lifestyle habits or did she work on nutrition? Like, what were some of the tools you learned from her? Yeah, it was everything. It was like the foods I should be eating, what I should be looking out for. Hugely into like taking out everything toxic, like beauty products and cleaning supplies and furniture in your house and just things you wouldn't even think of that I was using and I had no idea. Mm -hmm. So kind of like removing those toxins, obviously looking at kind of like not I don't want to say detox I don't love the word detox but yeah like no I'm with you my body because I had so many meds in my body for so long living in New York with so many environmental toxins yeah so kind of just had to like clean my my system out too Um, people people don't realize that stress isn't just work-related or you know, like acute stress like little moments of stress it's built up like it comes in the things that you eat. It comes in the beauty products. It comes in obviously your work stressors. But your body can only take so much until, you know, it becomes inflamed. Because your body doesn't know the difference between like, okay, this stressor is an unnatural chemical that, you know, this company put in to make this cleaning product better. Or like this is an actual danger to your body. Like yeah. your right. body doesn't have the rationale that your actual brain, you know, logic does. Right. Differentiate. Yeah. yeah. And so. Yeah. I think when you learn that, I mean, it seems like a lot though at first, because when I started to do, for example, the beauty products and the cleaning products, I was like, I went a little overboard because that's just my personality. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to eat all the clean things and I need to get rid of all of the toxins in my house. And I feel like I caused myself more stress that way. It seems like a lot, but slowly, like you just tack on a little bit at a time. It's like when you run out of your laundry detergent, you buy all natural laundry detergent and you start crowding out some of the bad foods and entering in some of the good foods. And eventually it doesn't seem like so much of a burden as much as like a lifestyle change. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's really true. It could be very overwhelming at first, but it's like you said, just change it out as you run out of it. And But I'm like you, I just like threw away everything I ever owned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can it. do it that way too. It costs a lot more money. But... <laughs> exactly. So tell me a little bit, obviously like travel is part of what you do too. So that kind of seems, I don't want to say like unrelated, but it's Mm -hmm. kind of different than health and wellness. So how did you get into that side of things and how did those two things play together in your life, health and travel? So I enrolled in IIN, but little backstory. So after I recovered, I actually went back to work in HR in Detroit at a company. And I was like, what am I doing? And I had this, boss that was just not, we were not good together. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, there's, I've been through this huge thing and I know like what my purpose is. Why am I not living my purpose? The universe is like, are you serious? We gave you a brain hemorrhage. Why are you going back? <laughs> that was your sign. <laughs> we gave you the biggest sign ever. What are you doing? Know, right. It's like, I'm a stubborn one. I had to just yeah. learning the hard way. So after having, you know, after going back and just having a terrible experience back in an office job in HR, I was like, this is it. So it was actually like a blessing. Our company merged with another company. My position was eliminated. So I was like, oh, wow. 
I'm going. I'm the gonna, universe cut you a break. They eliminated it for you. <laughs> you had surgery. <laughs> yeah. We'll just let this one be eliminated. We won't give you any life or death situations. Yeah. This time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's when I enrolled in IAN. So during this time, we we're also planning our wedding and our honeymoon. And I had reached out to a referral for this travel agency called um, Amaze Travel, which is Jim and Julie, they're um, a husband and wife team that left their corporate jobs to start this business. And I had them work to plan our honeymoon. So we went to Hawaii and it was like an amazing time. They did everything. They scheduled everything, booked everything. We didn't have to do a thing. So it was just so nice because I was in school and going through a transition with work and I just Mm -hmm. didn't want to be doing it planning the wedding. So anyways, um, we got back and I wrote them an email just saying, you know, thank you so much. Everything was great. This is what we loved. This is what we didn't love. And they responded kind of like really impressed with my write-up and were asking if I wanted to join their team. Wow. (laughs) It was like such a... Like, I I don't know. It was just... At that time, it was just conversation. Like, why are you interested? Let's talk some more. And then I had been like keeping in contact with them and talking about, you know, possibilities of how I could join their team. So then in January, it was official that I became kind of like an employee of Amaze Travel. And so... I'm now focusing on wellness travel, but also like luxury too. So a lot of like group wellness retreats is kind of like what I specialize in, but I also do just like luxury travel for people. Um, So So ties into the health stuff too. Can't wait to book you for something. I was reading that portion on your website and I... I've been now getting into more travel because I have the freedom in my schedule too. And my husband does as well. So we have all of these big plans. So clearly we're just going to get hooked up with you, right? To plan all of our little destinations. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And I think travel can be like so healing. Like people need that break. They need that escape. They need that time to just kind of like disconnect from work or whatever it is. And just like be in nature or experience a different culture whatever it is. So I think it's, you know, it ties into the whole health and wellness thing because I think it's so healing and important for us to experience. Mm -hmm. I started to get travel anxiety about two years ago. It kind of came out of nowhere and it was really upsetting to me. Like, it's like I couldn't focus when I was traveling. I felt like my brain was all over the place. I don't know if you've ever experienced this or talked to anybody that's experienced this before, but was very frustrating. And I'm just now learning to... I don't know if it's an out of my comfort zone thing, but we went to Philly not that long ago. And it was like the first time where I've decided like, I don't need to force anything when I'm traveling. I just need to be in the moment, like good or bad. And I feel like I put so much pressure on my travels because yeah. I felt like I this is my vacation and I have to put so much pressure and do mm-hmm. all of these things. And I need to feel this way because I'm on vacation. Mm-hmm. I had to learn to break that down and be like, this is just a different, a new experience in a different location. And you don't have to feel one way or the other. But I'm learning to make vacations more therapeutic, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so true. I think a lot of people look at vacations, especially if you're traveling with children or whatever else, like as a, you know, it could be a stressful thing, but really it, it's not meant to be. It's meant to be, right. it's meant to not have plans. And and I think that's true too. When you travel somewhere that you've been really wanting to go, you feel the need to have to do, do, do and see everything you can see. So yeah, it definitely takes a moment to just like step back and be like, wait, what's the purpose of me going on this trip? Like, what do I want to get out of it? And just like check back in with that every time you're kind of feeling that way. I think too, like 
I don't want to say I think people take trips for social media because that sounds weird. Mm -hmm. But I feel like a lot of times, you know, people are thinking like, well, I have to get like that shot of me at the beach so I can Mm -hmm. post. Like, I think when you live in that world too, where you're almost taking the vacation for the image of taking a vacation Mm -hmm. and getting sidetracked in that, not necessarily like, you know, I think yours is probably like a lack of your routine Mm -hmm. and you're like, stable stuff that you're into. And maybe that I need to get a handstand picture on the beach is like in right. the back of my mind. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's probably like pretty at the forefront of your mind, but <laughs> 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 gotta get that picture. <laughs> gotta get that perfect picture. But yeah, I think sometimes that's like an added pressure to vacation. Like mm-hmm. yeah. on Absolutely. top of the cram everything in these days that you possibly can too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And I feel that too, because a lot of my vacation now is checking out like all the hot spots and like where I'd recommend people to go and oh, all the yeah. different restaurants. And so there is a point of like, go, go, go. But a lot of times I'm with my husband and it's like, no, like I don't have to do it all. And right. I'm not supposed to do it all. This is my experience on this trip and here are my tips, but like, I don't need to see everything. It's impossible. It's, mm-hmm. it's so I definitely have to check in with myself on that too when I travel. Yeah. I think when you're in the world, a little bit of social media or even coaching or blogging, when you do those... I mean, it, part of your job is sharing your life. Mm-hmm. So you do feel like, I need to check out these places. I want to get info to people. I want to make sure I look at this and look at that so that I can write about it. But at the same time, you're there for you. So I guess mm-hmm. it's just maybe practicing that balance. For myself, I'm still learning how to do it, but... Yeah, no, for sure. I even like every day I'm practicing that balance. You know, like my business and what I put out there, I use social media. But at mm-hmm. this point, sometimes I'm just like, I need a break. I can't be on my phone talking into it all the time. It's not yeah. healthy, you know? Right. I'm still trying to find that balance of like how often I need to be on it and still you know, be good for my business. And I don't want to like totally back away and, you know, go dark and, you know, cause a lot of my clients I get from social media, mm-hmm. that's how I get my word out, but it is a balance just like, at least for me, because I really feel a little more at ease when I'm disconnected a little more. Oh yeah. 100%. Liz, I feel like me and Liz have that struggle a lot because Liz, you I guess love to be disconnected. You're like, I, I prefer hate to be disconnected. I'm like a <laughs> I prefer to be disconnected. I, I'm the, I'm the creep in the corner on social media. That's like watching what everyone's doing, but not participating. <laughs> like I definitely know what's happening. I'm just mm-hmm. not like putting any of my own stuff out there because when it comes time to like, I feel like social media has become such a, oh. like, you have to create content. Like, all the fun of just being like, Liz is eating a ham sandwich today yeah. of days your <laughs> is gone. <laughs> oh, I, I, I loved your post about your jackfruit today on your story. I was very proud of your jackfruit. But you story. didn't like the picture of the jackfruit. No, I liked the picture itself. I, I just know, thought the jackfruit. Like, yeah. Yeah, the jackfruit. Okay. Uh, side note and listeners, I, if you are hearing this and you know whatever this is called, please let me know. But there's something when an object has holes in it, it creates anxiety for people. Have you guys heard about this? Liz, I texted you this, but you didn't text back. So I figured you're probably like, what the hell is she talking about? I didn't see this. So it's called something. And so when a, an object has like a bunch of little dots or a bunch of holes, are you looking it up right now? No, I'm looking at you. Oh. You just said that jackfruit does something to me, like the picture of things with holes, but that didn't 
translate to what you just oh my said. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. And but like it's one of those things that it makes you feel uncomfortable and wheezy and want to throw up. The oh. picture of the jackfruit made me feel all those I'm things. I'm very sorry that I did that. <laughs> but then she... So that was like the before picture. And then she posted a beautiful bowl of barbecue jackfruit. And that Ooh. made me feel positive things. Yeah. Yeah. I had just discovered jackfruit like, I don't know, two or three years ago. I had no idea. It was like such a delicious thing. There's a wonderful place by us. Well, it used to be by... I know. Used to be by you, Alchemy. Liz introduced me to the jackfruit. It's so weird though, because I'm like, how does a fruit have the consistency of barbecued pork right now? Like, I don't understand. Tripophobia, everybody. Tripophobia. That's what it's called. A fear of holes, bumps, and clusters. So do you have that? I mean, I guess, (laughs) I guess I'm going to, I'm going to put out this to everybody, but be warned. Google things with holes or tripophobia. Look at the images. Be ready. Have a trash can by you just in case you have tripophobia <laughs> and see how you feel. I need both of you to do it after this recording. I'm very interested. <laughs> but don't blame me when you start freaking out when you see the objects. So do you blend... Back to what we're talking about. Do you blend the travel and the coaching together then as one? Or do you kind of keep those two businesses separate? They're separate. So I work like kind of contract through Amaze Travel. And then obviously I, I do everything with with health coaching on my own, but I keep them separate. Obviously, it's kind of a hard to juggle it because it's like, do I want to put all my time into the health coaching portion? Do I want to spend mm. my time doing the luxury travel planning? So that's been really difficult. I love them both and I want to do them both, but trying to balance how much time and how much attention I put to each has been a struggle. But I feel like they sometimes go hand in hand. Like I am planning a retreat, a wellness retreat this spring um, for someone that I met like in the wellness world. So it, it kind of all works together. I feel like there's this new thing called creative entrepreneurship and it's about doing all of the things that you love at the same time without getting overstressed. But see yeah, that? Right? <laughs> that stresses me out, guys. Like I want to... Like, have you found... Because I have like... I have a full-time job, but I have like obviously this podcast and then a side hustle that I'm procrastinating starting because I'm afraid of everything. Um, <laughs> so... I love the way that you just said that really fast. Uh, this side hustle yeah, means I'm afraid fine. of everything. <laughs> Anyway, so like, how have you, I mean, do you ever feel like shame or guilt for not get, because to me, I'd be like, I'm not giving something a hundred percent. Like I feel really torn. Do you have any coping? Yeah. I feel like that often. I feel like this would be more successful if I put more time to it. This would be, you know, so I definitely feel that. And then it's like, okay, that's not, that thought is not doing me any good. Like, and it's a, a comparison game because I feel like I go down that road and I'm like, but that person's doing this and that person's doing that. Right. Should I be doing that? Should I be doing what that person's doing? How is that hopeful? Yeah, exactly. So really like when I start having those thoughts, it's just like, okay, I acknowledge that I'm feeling that and that's valid, but it's not serving me. So I kind of like release that and then think of like the positives of it. I'm so lucky to be doing two of these things that I love to do. And it's really like, I feel like people take life and business so serious and it is serious. Like we want to, you know, grow and expand and get our purpose out there and help people. 
But at the same time, like sometimes we take the joy out of what we're doing because we're so stuck on, you know, certain things. And it's really like we're here on this planet to enjoy life. So Mm -hmm. that's it right there. Yeah, that's that's it right there. And Liz, I feel like we all feel that same way, but I feel like we all would... How do I put this? It's like with anything, like it all comes down to not being content with like what is in the moment. So you're like trying to find a problem. I catch myself doing that all of the time. I'm like, I'm creating problems for myself that don't need to be here. Like everything is fine just the way that it is. Like I'm, what am I really here to do? I have a hundred years, not even probably a hundred years on this earth. That's kind of sad. But I don't need, you have how many years on this earth and we spend so much of it worrying about things that don't even matter. Yeah. And trying to complicate it. And it's like, it's really not that complicated. We are the ones who tend to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's funny you say that because the other day I was just telling Clark, my husband, I was like, what if we leased our house and moved somewhere for a year and just like experience something different? And it's just so funny because, okay, it's a thought, but at the same time, it's like, we're finally like settled. Like we have Mm -hmm. a home, like things are... So, you know, my business is like kind of like launched and it's moving and it's flowing and he has a good job. So wait, let's just stop all that. Let me just like throw mm-hmm. a big rush in it. Change like, it all up. What am I thinking? But there's just like something, I mean, it goes so much deeper than that. So it's like, why was I thinking that, which I'm working on? But it's mm-hmm. like... That sounds like me too. Liz, you were going to say something before we oh, go on this tangent. I was, well, it was kind of about the tangent. So like oh. when I was little, like I've always been this way where like, Actually, when you were talking about travel, I was going to ask this question, but I was like, this is going to make me sound like a freak. So I'm just glad we got here anyway. I was going to be like, (laughs) do you guys ever just feel like you don't have any fun? Because like the travel situation, (laughs) sometimes I get really like, I want to do this, 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 this. And I feel like, like we were talking about like kind of taking the fun out of it. Mm -hmm. Totally. My mom used to say when I was a kid, it's so sad. Um, Oh, I know this and I love it so much because it's so you. She used to say, like, if it's some if it's supposed to be fun, like you're gonna ruin it. Like, isn't that like I love her, but that's like it was true, but like you, if it's supposed to be fun, you're gonna find a reason to somehow self-sabotage it a little bit. Like we'd go to the zoo and I would like be too hot and get stressed about being hot and then be in a bad mood and like ruin Mm -hmm. it. (laughs) Yeah, it's like this discontent. And I think all of us have it in us to varying degrees. But when we're discontent with something, it's like we're not, we don't allow ourselves to enjoy. We don't allow ourselves to be. We won't allow ourselves to be free. And like, like you said, go live somewhere else for a year. It's like, yeah, yeah, some sort of discontent, I guess. Something. Something. And I think like, like for me, I think it's, I've learned, I'm learning. It's kind of like a choice. Like it's really easy to go to the negative. Mm. You know, it's easy. It's really difficult to like pep yourself up sometimes and like stay in the positive, but it's all about like training your subconscious, like retraining your subconscious. So like I've been doing a lot of energy work since I having surgery just to try to like get the trauma and the fear and the anxiety out of my body from just everything. What sort of energy work do you do? I do Reiki about twice a week. Mm. Yeah. I want to talk about Reiki. crystals. I'm like learning about all that stuff. I don't know it all yet, but having fun, like playing with it and learning about it. And Mm -hmm. I really do think that it's a powerful thing. Mm -hmm. I've not done Reiki. I'm having a wine and Reiki event tomorrow in Columbus. You're like, I know, I see it. Go (laughs) Reiki or Reiki. Megan 
can do an over-the-phone call with you, Liz. You can do it distant or she can do it via Skype or Zoom. Don't they have to touch you? Mm, no, because everything is energy. So they're... I don't, she's way better at explaining this than me, but you can share energy over the phone like or distance. Like You can still work with each other's energy or she can work with your energy. I've done it. She experimented on me during her training and I could feel her doing it to me while we were over the phone. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. You should try it with her. She would love it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't realize that. Actually, there is a Reiki person here, but I, if you know someone that's good. But I was surprised in my like little Northeast Ohio town that I'm at of like 40,000 people, there's a Reiki person. I was like... I'm not surprised. I feel like Akron... I feel like Akron would have someone that's doing Reiki or at oh, least I Cleveland. I Akron. Really? <laughs> yeah. So do I. <laughs> that's funny. I'm new to the... I don't know anything. I have the GPS literally like to go five blocks away. I don't know where I'm at ever. <laughs> I grew up in the area. Liz's husband grew up sort of in the area. Canton, same thing. Oh, yeah. And Liz is, Liz is a newbie, an Akron newbie. When With Reiki, I want to just hear your take on it. What do you feel? Because I did an hour long session and I felt too much. Like I, I had to come back down into my body. Like she had to ground me. I was like starting to go into the ethers. I felt with. So talk to me about your Reiki experience. Yeah. So I would say like my first session, I really didn't know. I was very like curious. I didn't really understand it or how it worked or like what was going on. I've been doing it now for almost a year. So I feel like I'm, you know, I have definitely a better understanding. But at first, I left the first session like, okay, I can feel, like I did it in person. So I could literally feel the movement of the energy through my body, like from her hands. And we were doing a lot of like, she was asking me questions. I was answering Then We were doing affirmations. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like that. And then the more that I keep going, I can tell that there's just so much work because I'm basically, as much as it is emotionally, we're also doing like physical pain. Like I have a ton of jaw pain. I get headaches. I have some stomach stuff going on. And after I see her the next day, I literally feel like I got hit by a bus. I feel mm-hmm. terrible. And then after that... Because it's releasing. It's releasing. All that yes. stuff is releasing out. So it's like almost like that it gets worse before it gets better. Mm-hmm. And then the next... like I would say within two days, I'm back to feeling like myself. And then over time, those aches and pains are less and less. And I'm like kind of more like able to deal with them. So I think that it's it, it's really powerful. Like she is releasing kind of like stagnant energy that's stuck in certain yeah. the body and and bringing it to surface and working through it and like releasing it out of there. So I've I've learned a lot about myself and about obviously this process through doing it. And I just always leave there just with like a different perspective on like my body and my health and my life. And it's just really like retraining my subconscious mind into really positive things, which I need to do. I noticed that when I take a break from Reiki or acupuncture, because I like doing acupuncture, I kind of trade them on and off. And my body feels so much more in alignment. It's like a feeling of calm and a feeling of being centered. And it makes it makes so much sense that our our bodies absorb energy in certain areas become more overloaded than others. And you have to release that. It's like anything else. You have to release that. It gets stuck. I think it's really cool because Western medicine is realizing how powerful these Eastern traditions are. And they're pairing it with like patient care. And I was listening. It was actually a lecture in IIN. And he was like a, a Western doctor that started to get into acupuncture. And I'm not sure if it was Reiki or not. But he said he would go into a hospital and he would look into the room where people were getting either acupuncture or Reiki, one of the things. And he would say like, 
he would look in that room and be so calm. And it would have this totally different energy. And you would see other people in the, with the same sort of traumas. And it's not... It, you look into a, another room where they're not doing that. It's not the same type of energy. Hmm, yeah. And so there's, there's science behind it. It seems woo-woo and it seems crazy. But until you try it and you talk to people that have been doing it, I mean, it, it works. It's, it's yeah. real stuff. Absolutely. I mean, this is like a goofy scenario, but like a few, probably like a week ago, I was really stressed out about something like something was going on and I was just not in a good headspace. And I I was just like being kind of manic and whatever. And Charlie, our dog was just being terrible. Like he was just acting out, being terrible, biting us, barking, just being crazy. So anyways, the next morning I woke up and I like saged the house and I like meditated. I like played around with my crystals. I just got into this really good, like I felt like way more grounded, really good headspace. He was like an angel. The Mm -hmm. dog was like, wow. And I was just like, he was, he was feeling my anxious, nervous energy the day or two before. And he didn't know how to react to it, you know, and acting out. And I just like related that to like, when you see people or even like when you have children and how you're feeling, yeah. they feel it and they're yeah. going to pass on that energy that they feel. So it's just so important to carry good energy around, you know, for yourself and others. I feel like that's why Kobe and Jackson are so bad with us sometimes. Liz. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Our energy is too much. Then Zach and Cody come around and they're like angel dogs. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious about... So you also do essential oils. Yeah. Like, you're so... You've got so much going on. Like how does that also play into this. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's kind of like figuring out the balance with it all, but I just love it all so much that I can't just like narrow in on one. It's kind of like distributing my time. doTERRA essential oils, you know, I'm very passionate about them. They were crucial in my recovery process. And still today I use them every day. I have never taken a medication since having surgery. They have completely been able to help with any symptom, illness, whatever I've had going on. So I just felt really empowered to share them with people. And it was never my intention to like create this huge empire, like a doTERRA oils and all of that. Mm -hmm. But I think it's just so important for people to be aware that that's out there and that could be a source to help them. So I just integrated into even like my health coaching. I, I tell people about it. If they're interested, you know, they get into it. If not, that's cool too. But I just think it's such like an important thing that people aren't utilizing enough that I just want to share and, and spread. Do you have any like go-to ones that you are like your daily you got to have? Yeah. So there's one called past tense, which is good for headaches or any kind of like tension. Oh yeah. Do you use that one? I know that one. I, my yeah. friend, I think my friend Kelly has it and I've used it before. Is it the roll one? Yes, it's a rubber ball. So you can put it on your temples and your forehead and like the back of your neck. And it literally, like I've had some really bad headaches post-surgery and it relieves them within a few minutes. It's Mm -hmm. me. So I use that. And then there's um, one called Whisper. which Yeah. And so that's like a, it's called the women's blend, but it picks up on your pheromones. So it smells different on everyone. Um, and I use it as like my daily perfume because obviously perfume is super toxic. I don't wear that. So that's kind of like my two every day that I can't live without. But I, I have a whole regiment. Like, you know, I use Serenity when I sleep and I put vetiver on my feet. And if I'm sick, I do oregano. And I don't know, there's so many that I can use for so many different things. But those two, I will not like travel without or go anywhere without. Mm-hmm. I had my lavender today. I was putting lavender on my feet. I had my crystals, my Palo Santo. I was listening to calming music. I was like, but I only have like lavender and balance. 
right now. Um, I need to get a few more oils into my mix. This is a great one. I love that. Yeah, it smells so good. So all of these things you just combine into into your business. Where can our listeners, like if they want to know more about oils or travel or coaching, where can they find you and get all of this information? Yeah. So I have a website. It's um, thehealthybee.com. And that kind of has just about me and all my services on there. And then I also post a lot on my Instagram, which is the healthy underscore B. And like I said, I update that pretty much every day. And I'm talking into the phone probably more often than I'd like. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so those are like the two two main sources that you can learn more about me. And then I just started a Facebook page, but it's still pretty new. So yeah, the healthy bee on Facebook. Awesome. Yeah. This has been so great. Jinx. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. 